What a great uh, introduction. I'm no pressure whatsoever in that introduction. Fantastic. I will hopefully, I will do my best to live up to it. Do you, are you up for the same? Yeah. yeah. Anyone feel like getting blessed this morning? Yeah. yeah? Kind of so-so. Is, is that the level of blessing that you want? That, yes. Or at what, what level of blessing do you want from the word this morning? Yeah, okay, okay, that's good, because that's the level you're going to get, all right? If you give me a, yes, that's what you'll get. I can't, I can't really do any more than that. If you give me a, yes, get in there, come on, yeah, absolutely, that's what you'll get back. I heard a, a fantastic story. I wasn't actually going to start with this, but I've changed it, because I think it probably fits in better, um, about uh, a couple of travellers. Not gypsies, I don't mean that. I don't think that's actually the correct term these days. But not that, just some travellers. They'd gone on a, you know, a, a tour of the world and they were in a village. And the first one left the village and he was heading off. This village was in the, in the hills and there was another village in the valley that he'd planned to go to next. And on his way, as he was travelling to that village, he saw a, a monk at the side of the road. This is a story, by the way. So he turns to the monk and he says, Hey, he says, I'm off to the village in the valleys. He says, what's it like? So the monk says to him, well, where have you come from? He says, oh, I've come from the village in the hills. So the monk says to him, well, what was that village like? He says, oh, he says it was, it was, it was pretty bad, to be quite honest with you. It was dire. He said, no one really took me on. He said, there was, you know, people were quite tight and stingy. They didn't really help me out. Struggled to make friends. There was kind of bickering and, and arguments, and it didn't feel like we were, we were one or there was any kind of connection with anyone. Didn't seem to prosper there at all. I wasn't really very happy, to be quite honest. The monk looks at him and says, I've got some bad news for you. He says, unfortunately, the village in, that you're traveling to is pretty much the same. So he says, all right, and heads on his way. Anyway, not long afterwards, the second traveler comes along the route and he sees the monk at the side of the road as well and he turns to him and similarly he says to him, he says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm traveling through to the village in the valleys. He says, would you mind telling me, do you know what it's like? What's the village like? The monk replies to the traveller and says, well, where have you come from? He says, well, I've come from the village in the hills. He said, well, how did you find it? He said, oh, he says, you know what? He said, it was wonderful. He says, one of the most incredible places I've ever been to. He said, people were so welcoming and friendly. He said, there was just such a unity and a connection between us all. He said, we all just loved each other. He said, to be quite honest with you, he said, I, I really wish I didn't have to leave, but I'm committed to traveling and going, seeing all these different places, so I've got to move on. The monk turns and says to him, I've got some good news for you. The village you're traveling to is exactly the same. It is my... Great pleasure this morning to announce that on Wednesday, God willing, me and my wife will be celebrating 20 years of marriage. I am like, I, I know there's some of you have been married for longer than that. Um, and, and so 20 years to you might not seem that much. I'm like, I can't believe it. Uh, seriously, I don't know, I didn't mean that like in a negative way. Stop digging, stop digging. When you get in a hole, don't dig to get, you can't dig yourself out of a hole, right. I am absolutely so proud. 20 years, 
I, I just think it's amazing. When I look back at it and, and, and our marriage, and, and you know, we, we've said this so much. This last year has been the best year yet. It literally has, and the year before it was the best year yet, and the year before that was the best year yet. Every single year, if you're married or you're just getting married or you've just got married, I've got some good news for you. It's a bit like the village. <laughs> Every year just keeps getting better and better and better, if that's your attitude. We are so in love. We love each other more now than we did when we first met. And, and it, it started, I was thinking about this, um, and, and I want to use this as a, a little bit of a, the essence, if you like, of the word, a bit of a picture really for the word. We, it started because I was thinking about how is it that our marriage has been so blessed and, and I believe so successful because we have been successful. We, 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 you know, I don't mean monetarily or anything like that. I just mean we're in love. We're together. We, we, we love spending time with each other and time together. We've got five incredible children as a, as a blessing from that marriage. And, and we've got so many great friends and, and, and people that we do church with and, and, and Christians outside of the church to, that we just get on with so well and stuff like that. And, and I just think we are so, so incredibly blessed. And, and how is it that we have been so blessed? How is it that God has blessed us? And, and how can, if you like, God bless you? And it started, it began, I would say, in 1997. I think there's two reasons that our marriage is blessed, or two that have come up with to share this morning with you. There's, probably, there's many, many more reasons. But the first one is because of sacrifice. Our marriage, I believe, is so successful because of sacrifice. And, and be, not just sacrifice through the marriage, but it actually started with sacrifice. When in, in 1997, when I came to the church, I found two things. I found God and I found my bride. So that was great. I thought that was fantastic. But when I came to the church and, and I, I met Vicky and I saw her and I was just like, wow, she's the most beautiful girl I have ever seen in my life. And, and actually, a few days earlier, I'd met her mum. Now, it would be wrong for me to say she was the most beautiful girl I've ever met in my entire life because obviously that would be weird. And, and, and I have the utmost respect for Tina, as she knows. And, but we sat there in this, in this meeting and she talked about, we were about an hour together. I was, I'd turned up to sell her an insurance policy. I wasn't even a Christian at the time. And, <laughs> and we chatted and we ended up talking about church and loads of different things. And the last five minutes was just, oh, you're going to buy this policy, aren't you? Just sign here. And it went something like that. But she talked about a daughter that she had. And she talked about all of her daughters and her son. And, and she talked about this one daughter that was Vicky. And I knew in that moment I was going to marry her. I literally knew in that moment I was going to marry her. I cannot explain it. I, I know it sounds weird and it sounds odd. It would sound odder if I hadn't married her. All right. So I can at least fall back on that. Okay. I have a witness. I went home that day. Well, I went off to the gym that day. I was with a mate and we were, used to work out together. And I, I remember it quite vividly. We went in, we sat in the steam room with... 
pieces of orange. Anyone done that in the steam room? If you, if you ever go in the steam room, you want pieces of orange. They're great just to suck on in the steam room. But anyway, that's what we have. You know how you remember things. And we sat there and I turned to him. I've mentioned this before. And I said I, met, I, I couldn't tell him I hadn't met her because I thought that would sound incredibly crazy. But at least it sounds a bit bravado and a bit like laddish to say, I've met a girl I'm going to marry today. And I, I said that to him. They were my words. I've met the girl I'm going to marry today. But I hadn't actually met her. I was a bit of nerves as to what she looked like, but fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, when I turned up, she was looking good. So that <laughs> that was good. But this was kind of like round about the October, November time, and there was a, a New Year's Eve party, and I'll keep this very brief. But I, I basically said to God, "Hey God, you know, I, I'm looking for a sign here, and if this isn't the girl." I'm, even though despite I felt that this is the girl I'm going to marry, if this isn't the girl, then I'm going to walk away. And, and we had this New Year's Eve party and the sign didn't happen. And, and I walked away and I said, no, I'm not going to pursue this girl anymore at all. On Vicky's side, she had committed her life. She'd grown up in, in the church environment and stuff like that. And she'd had a few years going off the rails and not attending church for various different reasons. And, but she'd, she'd come back to God and really recommitted her life. And she'd said, God, it's you. It is all you, no matter what. I'm not looking for anything. I, I don't want anything. I'm not interested in relationships or anything like that. I'm just completely and utterly sold out for you. And it was commitment. And it was sacrifice on both sides. My heart was, God, I, I like this girl. I, I, there's there's a, an attraction. I'm drawn to her. But I don't want to go there if, you, if you're not in it. If it's not got your seal of approval. If your hand isn't in this. I didn't really have the language for it. In fact, I probably still don't have the language for it. But my heart was just, God, I, I'm bringing this to you. And I'm willing to sacrifice and walk away from it if it's not right. And, and I actually did. And in the end, Vicky asked me out. She, it's true. She actually asked me out. I remember it quite vividly. The other reason, so the first reason I believe is sacrifice. And, and, and all the way through our marriage, we have sacrificed. We've literally, we've put the church first. And I think at all the years we've had together in the church, I think our, when our first daughter was born, it was on a Sunday, a Sunday afternoon at a minute past six. And the first thing I did was phone up the church to let them know that, that Sophie had been born. And the following Sunday, we were in church with our daughter. As I know, we've got another couple who've done similar in, in, in church. I think they were in, in quicker than us, actually, to be fair, with a, with a new baby. But there was just that. We've just sacrificed. We've, we've put our marriage and each other above careers above other things, there's just this tightness and, and this oneness about us that, that, is, that, is, that is tight, that is tight. And, and I'm, I'm aware, I'm cutely aware that some of you may be in here thinking, my marriage doesn't look like that. My marriage isn't like that. And this is hard to hear that someone else's is. I, I, I can't apologize for that. All I can do is say that I'm not just wanting to talk about marriage, I want to talk about other things. I want to talk about unity. Unity, faithfulness, commitment, the power, the sheer, awesome, incredible power.
power of unity and commitment. And it doesn't have to just be in a marriage. I'm using marriage as a metaphor for it because marriage is the greatest metaphor there is for unity and commitment. In fact, if you went on the internet, the internet now is the most powerful encyclopedia the world has ever seen. There's some bad stuff on there, obviously, but you can find out more than any generation has ever been able to find out on the internet. And if you go and look on the internet for symbols of unity and commitment, all you will see pretty much is weddings, church, marriage, all of that stuff. That's what you'll see. Marriage is the ultimate metaphor for unity. It's when two become one. Two actually become one. Unity. It's so tight. It's so powerful. It's so incredible. I I was speaking with someone last Sunday and and, and I was counselling this person and and they were saying, they said to me they, they wanted more friends and and they said they were lonely and 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 I listened and I wasn't unsympathetic but I couldn't help but say at the end I can't agree with you on that I can't pray that prayer for you all I can do is say value what you've got because this person is married this person has got uh, they're in a church where they're loved and and they're respected they've got a job where there's people who are going home every day to an empty house who don't see another soul from one day to the next and and there's something about it and and just being married alone just having friends just being able to come here on a Sunday do you realize how incredible this is what we do what we have this is this is awesome (laughs) it is And we have to be grateful for what we've got. And God says this, he says, if we value, if we honour, if we look after what we've got, he'll give us more. He'll give us more. So the prayer isn't really to go and ask God, hey God, just go on more friends. I want more money. I want more, 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 more. And in one sense, I've got no problem with kind of, you know, wanting things in your life. You know, wanting a career or a job or, you know, if it's a good thing, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I believe God wants to hear your prayer. But if you're not valuing what you've already got, if you're wanting more because you're not happy with what you've got, maybe that's where the problem is. Maybe you're the problem. Oh, can I say that? I've got the stage, so I suppose I can. And I'm, I'm, you're the problem. Maybe you're the problem. Now, you know, I want to tell you something about that, right? Most people, if, you, if I sat there in a room with someone and he came to me with a whole list of problems and I turned around and said to them, all right, that's brilliant. I've heard everything you're saying and my, my opinion is you're the problem. <laughs> you can see how that's going to work out, can't you? Yeah? Most people's reaction's going to be what? What are you saying? Well, I'm, I'm the problem. I, actually, what, what most people would miss in that are some. Let's say some let's say that most of us would get it, is that actually they're the best words you could possibly hear. Because if you're the problem, you can do something about it. God's not the problem. God ain't messing up your life. He's not up there like sending all this, can I say crap in church? He's not doing that, sending all that to you to mess you up, to ruin your world, to destroy it and stuff like that. God has done his bit. 
He's done his bit. He said on the cross, it is finished. I have done everything I need to do for you to be blessed. I've set it all up. It's like, it's like a farmer complaining that he can't grow crops. And, and this guy saying to him, but I've given you the most fertile field there is. Just go and plant the thing. It's there. Just stick some seed in it and it will bear you fruit. God has done that. That is how this world has been set up for us. It's all there to go and take what you need, what you want, what is right for you, what is good. God put it there. It says he has given us everything, everything we need for life and for godliness. Everything, what an incredible, one of my favourite verses. You've probably heard me say it so many times before. But the second reason that I believe our marriages have been successful is simply this, marriage is God's plan. Marriage is God's plan. It was always God's plan. Right from the very beginning, marriage is God's plan. So when we got married, when we came together, when we, we really we prayed about it and we felt it was the right thing, we, we went to our pastor and, and all of that stuff and we had blessings and people acknowledging and all of that stuff, we knew it, it, it was everything we needed to be successful because marriage is God's plan. So it's, it's set up. It's like the farmer with his field. God's given us something incredible. Marriage, his plan. We don't need to worry about whether it's good or not. In fact, I would suggest to you this. You know, we, we talked about prayer in the midst. When I got up before in the worship, I couldn't not, to be quite honest. I couldn't resist that opportunity to get up. And, and something about that. Let me ask you a question. I'm going really all random in my notes. This was not the order it was, it was in there. But... <laughs> if I was really happy in the marriage, right, and, and our marriage is just fantastic, and it's just great, and I'm just like over the moon, and it's all fantastic, it's all brilliant, you name it, I'm like, this is great, loving life, loving every day, I'm getting everything I want, everything, and I'm so happy. Is that a successful marriage? Not necessarily, is it? Because, what about Vicky? Yeah, what about Vicky? What about Vicky? Is she, is she happy? Is she, you know, being fulfilled? Is she, you know, ha- happy in the marriage? Being blessed in the marriage? Marriage is a two-way thing. So, and it's like life. And that was why I was so keen that when I was asking you to pray for your miracle, that you don't just pray for your own miracle that you pray for someone else's miracle. The goal of life, God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be happy. He says he, he died. He, he's done everything that you may have life and life in its fullness. That sounds like good life to me. So there's no doubt about it. God wants you to be blessed. The way that comes... But he he just doesn't want you to be blessed. He wants those around you to be blessed as well. And the way that comes is through the power, uh, in church anyway, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, to talk about unity on its own, and, and, and here's the thing, right? God has given me over the last few years, and it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper, uh, this deeper understanding, appreciation, respect for, uh, love of unity, and how powerful it is. 
I, I get it more and more and more than he ever did. And I probably still don't get it completely. I get it more and more and more. I see it. I see how important it is that we are united. Because that is where the unity is. That is where the blessing is. Bible says unity commands a blessing. It commands a blessing. If you are united, you have to be blessed. That because that unity itself commands a blessing. You can almost go and say, bring the blessing to me because I'm in unity. When Jesus taught on prayer, he said that we should come together and agree. And he said, whatever we agree on, does that sound like unity to you? Whatever we agree on will be done. There's a formula there. Norman Vincent Peale put that. He was a great Christian writer from like the early 1900s. Wrote loads of real incredible books. If you ever get a chance to read one, I would really recommend you to read Norman Vincent Peale. So faith inspiring. Some people just have a gift of inspiring faith. And, and he says that that's a formula. It's literally a formula. If you want something in prayer, find someone who agrees with you. And I would suggest, I don't think he says this, but I would suggest there's a safety in that. Because if I came to you lot and I said, hey, listen, I want to have another wife. I don't think one is enough. Can someone pray with me for another wife? I am hoping and guessing that none of you would. You would all be like, Barry, listen, that, that's wrong. I can't pray with you on that. I can't be with you in unity with that. So God ain't going to bless that prayer, is he? But if I come to you with something that you go, yeah, that's good. That's wholesome. That's right. That's, you know, that, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. You need that. It's right that you have it. Then you're going to agree with me. We're going to pray together. God's going to grant the prayer. That to me just makes perfect sense. How incredible is the word of God? Dead easy, it's in there. Come together, come together. Uh, find someone who agrees with you. If you can't, maybe your prayer's wrong. <laughs> maybe pray something else. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then when you find something that someone else agrees with you on, and I'm not on about a yes, because we've all said yes, yes, yes to the guy on the other end of the phone to get him to, put, to just leave us alone, haven't we? I'm on about when someone's genuinely like really agreeing with you, yeah? You know, and they're like, that's right, yeah, that's spot on. You know the difference. You know the difference. But it's, it, it, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, you're right, mate. He said about the Holy Spirit, he said... You don't have to worry when you come into the Holy Spirit because he's not going to give you anything bad. He's only going to give you good things. We don't need to worry when we come to God in prayer. He is only going to give us good and right and healthy things. If you pray amiss, God ain't going to grant it to you. Is he? So if you've got a problem with someone and... Maybe just take them to God and say, hey God, will you deal with them? <laughs> will you just sort them out? You just, just God, I've got to give this person to you, Lord, because if I deal with them, it's not going to end well. <laughs> Probably for me or them. So just, you, can you do it? Can you do it? Can you just sort them out? In, in Ephesians, in, I, I've written this down about, about Ephesians, right? In the first three chapters, God talks about us there being spiritual blessings, for the church. He's talking to a church in Ephesus, a real church, a real body of people. And these guys, and, and don't forget, right, when you, you, you're getting a bit prickly if someone in leadership kind of rebukes you or says you're wrong, 
when you go back and you read the Bible and you read some of the rebukes that were in there, these were to real people and these churches grew from that. When someone spoke truth and went, no, you're wrong, behave yourself. Come on, have a word with yourself. Sort yourself out, will you? Those people took it and the church grew. The church grew. But it's pretty positive, this book, to be fair. We're not going down the negative side. But Paul talks about spiritual blessings for the church. The incredible spiritual blessings that they have. He talks about wisdom that God has given to the wisdom. We have wisdom. He talks about being alive in Christ. Life. And he meant life in all of its fullness. Amazing life. Living. Ever, ever had a time, we must have all had a time in our lives when we felt dead, like we're not even alive. It's just, you know. And, but he's like, no, in Christ we have life. We have life. Talked about oneness, unity, peace, faith, love, awesome love. He talked about having a home. He talked about having a plan. He talked about growth. I mean, these are amazing, amazing things. And then we get to chapter 4. And right at the beginning of chapter 4, he started off, it's it's a famous chapter. Ephesians 4, so many people have heard of it. But he starts off at chapter 4 with one word. I just want to, you don't need to put it up, because he starts off with one word. And and this really, I would say as well, there's a parallel with, with, I think, back about our marriage. And this word comes to it as well. And it is the word, therefore. Therefore, therefore. And when I think about our marriage, my marriage, I think, you know, God showed me a girl and it was like, she'd be good for me. And he showed Vicky a boy and he went, he's going to be incredible for you. (laughs) (laughs) She's not here this morning, so I can say what I want. She will be here this afternoon, by the way. <laughs> and, and from that, that was the therefore. So she's good. She's looking. He's good. Therefore, let's come together. Let's do it. Therefore, that's the... No one forcing us to. There wasn't like, you know, a lot of people got us together and went, you've got to get married, whether you like it or not. You know, you've got to get married. It was like... No, we could see something in each other. We could see that we felt that God was in it. And it was like, therefore, therefore, let's get married. Therefore, let's be united. Therefore, let's be one. Therefore. What a powerful word. So easily missed. It's like, it's like the, the conjunctive in, in, in there, isn't it? It's the adverb. It's just the, about to describe what's coming next, the actions that are coming next. It's just like a linking word from you know, the previous chapter. And therefore, but, but you know, when you think about that word therefore, and particularly when you think about what Paul's about to say in chapter 4, what he's saying is he's saying, so you've got all of these blessings All of these blessings. You see, there's loads of people out there that would like to tell you that God starts off the conversation with us of this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this, and you've got to do the other. But that's not what we read in the New Testament. We don't read God going, right, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the other, I have commanded, off you go. 
Now what we see is we see Paul saying, this is what Christ died for. For all of these amazing blessings. For life in all of its fullness. Spirituality, oneness, peace, a home, love, growth, you name it. All of these amazing things. God's done all of these for you. Therefore, therefore, over to you. Therefore, I am saying to you, just as God brought me and Vicky together, he's brought us together. He's given us the gift of each other. He's given us the gift of, of church and, and all of this stuff. Anyone ever read Robinson Crusoe? Or seen the, there was the film, wasn't it? They, they made of it. I, I didn't see the film. But I, I never forget as a kid in primary school, and the teacher explaining the story of Robinson Crusoe, there's only one bit I remember of it, and I had to look it up to check that I got it right. And, and it was this, it was the bit where he starts to, um, I've never read the book by the way, but it, it's about halfway, three quarters of the way through the book as you understand it. It was the bit where he gets some grain and, and he decides he's going to sow it and he's going to like produce more fruit and more grain. And he does that and, and apparently according to the story, he does that and it doesn't work the first time. But he's clever enough not to sow all of his grain the first time just in case it doesn't work. He keeps some aside, there's a great principle in that. Biblical principle as well. There's a real biblical principle in there regarding finance and, and all of that. He kept some aside just in case. He didn't use all of his seed, all of his, his, his um, capital. He kept some aside just, just in case. So often the debt problem and the finance problem is because we don't just spend what we've got, we spend more than what we've got, don't we? And then end up with like not just nothing, but less than nothing. And then like, what do we do now? But he, he Crusoe, I just remember as a kid, like Crusoe just, he, he sowed these seeds and he got more back. And so out of the more that he got back the second time, he, he then realised when he needed to sow and, and the timings and the seasons. And so he sowed again and kept some back. And he kept doing that. And he just got more and more and more. And he had this incredible field full of, of, of grain for himself. Fruitful. He knew the timings. He knew when. He knew what. He knew how. And he sowed and it produced fruit what you sow, so shall you reap. Bible says, what you sow, so shall you reap. Whatever that is that you sow, you're going to reap it. And the seed is good things. The seed that we sow, in, in, in the seed that we sow, me and Vicky in our marriage, and the seed that we sow as a church is good things doing good and, and righteous things. And the method, you know when you get a cookery book and there's always two things, isn't it? There's the ingredients and there's the method. And the ingredients are the good things. The ingredients are the, are, the, are the good things that we do. That's the ingredients for our cooking lesson this morning. And the, the method that we use is unity. Coming together. Doing it together faithfulness 
oneness, unity, commitment. And it multiplies. The more we do it, the more it grows. Our method is to do it together. Our method is the therefore. Therefore, because God has provided all of this for us. Because he's done all of this for us. Therefore, we will be united. We will be one. We will be faithful. We will commit. Do you know what commitment is? It's cutting off. It's cutting off the bad stuff. That's what it means to commit. It means to cut off the bad stuff, to sacrifice the things that aren't part of that commitment and to hone in on that commitment. Again, the marriage one is a great one because for me and Vicky to, to have a long marriage, I've got to commit to her and cut off all other women. I've got to say no and she's got to cut off all other men. That, that's the deal, isn't it? That's how it works. If I want to have other women as well, I can't have Vicky, can I? She told me that in no uncertain terms. <laughs> so you don't... You, you <laughs> oh, I... But saying I've said that to her, but hey. Well, when I think about it, the character, the attitude, the belief, but the commitment. It's not that we've not had ups and downs and arguments screaming at each other at some, <laughs> some occasions and, and falling out and, and all of that and doing all of those things. But we committed. And even in the worst moments of our marriage, all I've been able to see is her. All I've been able to see is us. I, I've never doubted that we would be together. I've never doubted that, that this was God and that this is it. This is, this is right for us. And, and what you see is what you produce. I want to tell you, you know, the, the marriage metaphor is one of the metaphors that God uses for the church. For this, what we have. An incredible marriage not that we would all conform, that we would all be the same. The church was never about that. The church was about every type of person. Every type of person coming together in unity. Not conformity, but in unity. In belief. Coming together in our belief in God and who He is. What He did for us his teachings, and who we are. In, did I, yes, I did. In Acts 2.42, it says this, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. This was the first church. This was the very beginning. The church began in the upper room at the Feast of Pentecost. It began with an incredible 
outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it started on that day, the first church. And if I was to describe unity and this great understanding, if you like, that I believe God's given to me of unity, and I was just to give you all the nuts and bolts, well, it works because of this, and you can see that when two people are kind of tight, you know, that's why it's going to be blessed and it's going to succeed and all this kind of stuff, I'd be missing out on something. It'd be like trying to describe your children as kind of servants or something. It'd be like trying to describe marriage as just a contract. But it's not, you see. True biblical unity. Unity in the church, God uses another word for it. Because the, the, the word contract is not enough. We all know, we all see, don't we, contracts. In, in the world, contracts are there to be broken. You see a footballer signing a contract. If you're a football fan, the first thing you think is, oh, they're off for a big move because it's going to be broken. And, you know, there's a four-year contract, but that's just so the club can get more money for him when they sell him and they break the contract and they sign a new one with a new club. Very few contracts are actually seen out to the end. In the world, contracts, really, they're there to be broken. If they're broken, there's a penalty and you pay the penalty and you move on. It just it is what it is. There's a price to pay. But with unity with God, he says, no, it's, it's, it's not a contract. Unity with me, God, is, is not a contract. I can't use the word contract. God uses the word covenant. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. It, it's something that, that God says, and he says, I don't swear by man or by this or that or the altar, anything like that. I just am. My word is enough. My word is enough for you. I don't break my, my word. I, I have no reason to. What I say I will do, I do. I always do. And God uses the word covenant. And I want to inspire you this morning that I believe that this that we have, God wants us to think of it like that. Not, well, I'm here till a better one comes along or a, a better option comes along or I'm here if I get to play in that position or in this position or if this happens or if that happens. No, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. This is covenant. In fact, the, the, Tina will tell you, the previous pastor, that I, there was a number of occasions where I, I, I said to her, there's at least one in particular, I'm here. I'm at, I'm at your mercy because no matter what you say, I ain't going anywhere. You have my word on that. I, I, I commit. I'm not going anywhere. You have my word. I'm here. I'm going nowhere. And I believe that it's at that point that everything changes. Everything changes. Suddenly it's yours. Suddenly it's, it, it, it's right. It's great. Because just like the traveler, maybe you're the problem if there's a problem. And if it's good, 
Maybe you're the blessing if it's good. So be the blessing. Be the blessing. Be here not just for yourself, but for us, for all of us, for God, for that unity. Be here for covenant relationship. Be here for community. Be here for 20 years and more, God willing. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.